Welcome to the 904 Together podcast. I'm Tom Patton. No one would dispute that it's a challenging time to be in business, even as we start to reopen businesses in Jacksonville and across the state. On this podcast, we're talking with a variety of business owners across the 904 area code about how they're facing the challenges of COVID-19 and how they plan to move forward. Now, we're shifting gears a little bit for this episode. And I'm talking with someone who's very dependent on the hospitality industry for his livelihood. I'm pleased to welcome guitarist Taylor Roberts to the program. And Taylor, thank you very much for joining me. It's my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. I have to do the full disclosure thing. Uh, Taylor and I have become pretty good friends over the course of the past year or so, mostly because my wife and I go and see him play pretty much every opportunity that we have. Um, And I really appreciate what you do taylor we you're you're a very talented musician and hopefully we'll be able to go back and and see you live here very very shortly in normal times what is your primary source of income uh playing music you know performing in restaurants private events uh the occasional festival and listening room concerts so when did things start going south and how did you get notified how did your venues tell you you know what we're, we've got to put this all on hold for a while. Uh, well, I started hearing about COVID-19 right around the end of February, beginning of March. And, um, you know, I, I, I was taking necessary precautions. You know, I, I wasn't thinking about it too hard until uh, about a week into March, a lot of places started shutting down. And ultimately, my last gig was on March 13th up at the Ritz-Carlton. And, uh, you know, since then, I've really had no public performances whatsoever. I've been relying on just alternate sources of income that musicians are typically prone to do. You know, we're, we're as a whole, pretty resourceful people. You know, <laughs> most of us are used to dealing with bouts of poverty and being on the ramen and popcorn diet for months at a time. So, <laughs> so this isn't too much of a, uh, I mean, it is obviously devastating um, in, in various ways, but, uh, you know, I'm able to, able to keep my head above water uh, for now. So how have you been surviving these past six weeks or so? My primary source of income, I've been going live on Facebook and uh, posting links to my PayPal account and Venmo and Cash App and that kind of stuff. And so uh, thankfully, tips have been coming in. You know, I've got a lot of really dedicated and generous fans out there. And, you know, uh, I've gotten, you know, extensions on my car note and and other bills, uh, you know, obviously, major corporations they've been pretty sympathetic to the uh the situation and you know um haven't really gotten to the uh, point of dire straits yet at this point what's it been like performing on facebook without a live audience or an audience that's sitting right there with you well um you know i'm used to small crowds uh that's why i became a jazz musician i don't like the big crowds <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know but i uh it's interesting. You know, it's not something I'm unaccustomed to, you know, when uh, Facebook live first started, I want to say back in 2014 or so, uh, I, I started this concept of, you know, on nights I had off, I would go live for one or two hours at a time and take requests and that kind of stuff. So while, while I do miss the, uh, you know, the face-to-face engagement of the audience and the applause and, you know, just kind of the energy in the room, it is uh, kind of the next best next best thing I can do. Now, I understand you got put in Facebook jail for a while. What, what happened there? Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, 
I was just racking my brain. I was like, which time? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, no, this was, uh, <laughs> this was because apparently I was doing it too often. Uh, some days I would do it two or three times a day. And, uh, apparently the, uh, Facebook powers that be did not like that. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a group called the socially distant fest that I was starting to do pretty regularly. And then I would do it from my page and that became a regular thing. And, so I, I was forbidden from going live for five days and have gradually been uh, re reintegrating myself into the Facebook Live Society. Have you done any of the concerts we've seen where you have musicians that are in different places that will all play together or uh, alternately one where you've been able to go to a venue and all six sit six feet apart and play together? I, I did do one pretty early on uh, with another musician, a good friend of mine named Owen Plant. He's based in the St. Simons, Georgia area. Um, uh, now, the technology, unfortunately, prevents us from being able to play together, uh, but it wound up being kind of a showcase. He'd play a tune or two, I would play a tune or two, and it was like an invite-only uh, Zoom conference. But, um, you know, typically when people see musicians playing together in the quarantine uh, state of affairs, they're usually pre-recorded. Okay. Um, but for whatever reason, it, it, it doesn't matter how fast your internet connection is or what program you use. It's, it's impossible to sync uh, musicians in real time. There's always going to be a lag. Too much latency in the internet. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Now I get from that. You're still in contact with a lot of your friends in the music business. What are you hearing from them? Are they all singing pretty much the same song? If you'll pardon that pun. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I haven't really heard of many musicians. There's been the, the, the seldom occasion where, you know, they'll have like a driveway concert or, or a venue will open, but they'll adhere very, very strictly to the social distancing and, you know, wearing masks and, uh, and everything else. Um, I haven't had that opportunity yet, nor am I certain I'll be taking an opportunity like that anytime soon. I, you know, personally, I'm kind of erring on the side of caution. Tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get, when did you first pick up a guitar? Um, and, and when did you understand that this was what you wanted to do for a living? I was 13 years old uh, when I got my first guitar. This was right around the time Green Day became popular. And uh, <laughs> I wanted to play drums, which understandably, I mean, he, they've got one of the best drummers I've ever heard. Yeah. Your and, parents uh, probably parents... didn't think too much of the <laughs> What's that? I said, your parents probably didn't think too much of that idea. <laughs> well, exactly. They, they bought me an instrument that I could turn down uh, instead <laughs> while I was practicing. So I settled, you know, I was like, okay, I guess I'll get a guitar, you know? And, and, you know, a couple months in, I, I didn't tell any of my friends that I had gotten it. I wanted to get like really, really good, you know, before anybody knew. And uh, I, I did not get really, really good, really, really fast. Um, you know, I had a background in piano. I'd taken lessons since I was four years old and, you know, after I got the guitar, I was big into punk rock and, you know, wanted to wanted to be a punk rocker the rest of my life and occasionally work the McDonald's drive through to make ends meet, you know, the real romantic <laughs> yeah. uh, idea of the struggling artist. Uh, but, yeah, I was 13 years old when I when I decided I was I was going to be serious about it. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky because I was pretty young. I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. But, no question. but you're also extraordinarily talented. I mean, uh, from having heard you play, uh, I, I play at guitar. I mean, every, <laughs> every, you know, 13 year old kid who gets an electric guitar envisions himself or herself being on stage in front of a throng of 500,000 people. Few people 
in my estimation, have the talent that you have to be able to play the way that you do. And I know that, that you're going to say, oh, gee, I'm really humble and all that, but it's true, Taylor. Well, I appreciate that, you know, um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people, when they see a musician outperforming, they're, they're seeing, you know, for lack of a better term, they're seeing the shine from their grind, you know, I mean, right. it took a lot of work and uh, obsession, you know, it became like an addiction for a number of years, especially when I was in college, I was a, I was a jazz major at UNF and it was normal for me to spend eight hours a day practicing you know, and neglecting things like personal hygiene and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, improving social skills and all that kind of stuff that normal people do. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a matter of, I, I think there is a degree of natural talent that, that musicians are lucky enough to have, but, um, you know, it's, it's a matter of putting that to use, um, and, and really utilizing that and, and really working like crazy at it. Um, just to continue to get better. Now you recently released a CD, which I know don't, I nobody really releases a CD anymore because it's all on download, <laughs> but, but you do have actual physical discs that are available usually near the tip jar at your gigs. Um, and I want to play just a little bit of one of your songs. This is an original song that's on the CD, which is titled uh, a day in the life. And this is a song called Catherine. play about that much of it just to make sure we don't get in any trouble with the um <laughs> with ASCAP or BMI but that is an original song and, and Taylor I've heard the story of where that song came from having been at, at a couple of your shows but tell us a little bit about where that one came from uh, sure um it was the first full song that I ever wrote and uh it was you know during the time that I was that I was married and uh was feeling, you know, inspired to compose. And, uh, you know, since then I've, I've made composition a priority and, uh, you know, there's another one on the album called hunting season that I, uh, that I wrote in dedication to a musical hero of mine named Charlie Hunter. And, um, you know, he's actually become a friend of mine over the years. And so I, uh, you know, I, I do feel like moving forward, you know, with my next several albums I plan on releasing, there's going to be a lot more original material. Are you starting to hear now from the venues where you have played regularly? I know uh, 
My wife and I were at Ocean 60 last night. They're starting to open back up, and that's one of your regular venues. Are they starting to call you and say, here's kind of what our plans are and when you might be coming back and, and getting back to what it is that you do? Uh, yes, thankfully, you know, Ocean 60 has reopened on a limited basis, and, and they're one of the places that are adhering pretty strictly to the guidelines. Um, they did ask for me to come back at some point this uh, this current week, and, uh, you know, essentially, this is just my own personal view on the situation. I told them I would probably sit on that for a while and uh, get back to them when, um, when I feel a little bit more comfortable to start doing that. And thankfully, they've always been really, they're like a second family to me. They're, they're totally understanding, and they're just like, you know, just let us know when you want to come back. We'd love to have you back whenever you're ready. Um, and now the Ritz Carlton, they're considering reopening at the end of May at the earliest. Um, and that's, that's a gig that, you know, if they do call me back, um, I'm going to take, uh, just for, for various reasons. I mean, it's, you know, ocean 60 is, uh, not to, you know, degrade them by any means, but it, it, they're more of a mom and pop operation. I'm really close mm. with everybody from the dishwasher to the owner, you know, and, uh, with the Ritz Carlton, I mean, it's the Ritz Carlton. It's not like, uh, I'm in constant communication with the CEO of Marriott, you know, <laughs> so, um, and that's a gig that I can't afford to lose. So what else is, is happening out there with the, with folks who are in your situation that are musicians that are, um, maybe even venue owners that are trying to come back and, and cope with this situation where they can't have people in their places and you can't go play. What, what are you hearing from people out there? Uh, well, some of the stories are pretty tragic. I, you know, a lot of the servers who are friends of mine, you know, they're, they're being called back to work and, you know, they have to work or else they'll lose their job. But the, at the same time, when they do go back to work, they lose their unemployment benefits. So they wind up making less money doing that um, because of the capacity restrictions and, you know, just, just various other reasons. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate in that I, I can kind of choose more or less, at least with half of my gigs, you know, when I decide to go back. But, um, but yeah, it hasn't really been uh, <laughs> sunshine and rainbows, you know, um, for everybody. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely been a struggle. Um, you know, this, this is, this is something that not many of us are used to, or not many of us were anticipating. I don't think anybody saw it coming and it really hit everything like a freight train. It, 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 there is almost no way to anticipate something like this. Right. Exactly. I, uh, I, I've got a few friends in finance and uh, they were trying to tell all of us full-time musicians, it's like, now would be a good time to put aside three to four months worth of you know, savings. <laughs> and it's like, well, a, if we were capable of doing that, we're notoriously irresponsible with money, but, and, and B, it's like, where are we going to get that money now? We're all unemployed. So, you know, um, and I don't know. I mean, I'm not mad at anybody who was prepared. It's just, uh, you know, I kind of hindsight is 2020, you know, with everybody. So. It always is Taylor. We really uh, hope to be able to before long catch you at ocean 60 and Atlantic beach on Tuesday and Wednesday nights at Salt at the Ritz-Carlton and Amelia Island on Friday and Saturday nights, and not nearly often enough, in my humble opinion, at the Blue Jay Listening Room in Jacksonville Beach. That's kind of my favorite venue for you. Oh, you and me both. Of all the places I've ever played, uh, it's absolutely my favorite venue. 
So check the Blue Jay listening room calendar uh, when they're back up and operating again. Look for Taylor Roberts or uh, do you have a name for your combo, your your jazz guys that you sit there and play with uh, on a regular basis? Yes, it's actually a very creative name we came up with together. Uh, it's called the Taylor Roberts Quartet. Taylor Roberts Quartet, a lot of fun. <laughs> and also on the Tuesday night jazz jams, that, that's also always a lot of fun. Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, it's one of my favorite favorite hangs. I get to see all my buddies and you know head over there after my steady gig and just uh, just let loose. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, and it's fun to be in the audience too. I'll give you that all day long. That's going to do it for this edition. If you would like to be a part of this podcast, drop me an email. I'm tcpatton813 at gmail.com. This podcast is supported in part by listeners like you. Visit the homepage on anchor.fm to learn how you can support the program. We'll be posting new podcasts each Monday and Thursday, so I hope you'll join us again next time. You can also get previous podcasts at the anchor.fm homepage. For now, and especially now, remember to find the opportunity in every challenge. I'm Tom Patton.